Hi, this is Ananda, President of the Hare Krishna Community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. So now we have more or less situated ourselves. It's time to introduce the topic for the day today and also the speaker. Today's talk is going to be on humility. And the talk is going to be given by His Grace Madhvacharya Prabhu. Um, he and his wife have been practicing Krishna consciousness for like 25-30 years now, I think. And they are one of the very senior devotees in the congregation. And they are also very humble devotees. So he is a very apt person to be speaking on the topic of humility. So please, Madhvacharya Prabhu, can you please take the seat? Hare Krishna. Welcome. This is the first Sunday in the new year. So this is a good way to start off my new year together. Generally, I'm not, I hate the winter. I hate the cold. I hate January. This is my worst month of the year. But so far, it's not so bad. This is very mild, <laughs> very wonderful weather we're having today. And besides that, I am warmed by the association of all of you wonderful people. So thank you all for coming. Today's talk is on humility. And uh, I apologize for the, it was completely my fault. I should have come earlier so we could set this up, but I was rescued by the wonderful devotees here. Um, so before I say anything further, I have to ask for permission to speak. My seniors are here, my father, my seniors, my spiritual seniors. And before I speak in front of them, I have to ask for their permission to speak. Do I have your permission, Prabhu? I have, okay. No one objected, so I'll continue. Thank you very much. Um, so I maintain that humility is underappreciated. Actually, it's not appreciated at all in Western culture, right? We have all of these great movies, these uh, uh, superheroes in the movies that make hundreds of millions of dollars, Captain America and Iron Man, right? They make hundreds of millions of dollars all over the world. You don't see... Uh, a superhero whose strength and virtue is, is celebrated because of their humility. This is one of the virtues that they celebrate. Prabhu, do I just tell you when the next slide? Have you ever seen a movie about this man? <laughs> He's so humble, he won't even face the, 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 the camera, right? This, this is how humble he is. Next slide, Prabhu. He could be a superhero, right? I mean, he does look a little... I don't know, maybe he could be a superhero, but you don't see, the point is that you don't see humility celebrated in, 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 um, in such a wonderful, grand way. So I maintain that in Western culture, humility is dismissed. Its meaning is distorted. It's derided. So what we're going to do today is give some definition according to our uh, bhakti culture of what humility means. Let us define humility. Next slide, Prabhu. Uh, so this is our definition of humility. This is one definition of humility. There are others, of course. This is not complete. But um, humility means an acknowledgement of one's relationship with God. 
and that God is the source of all of our power, our knowledge, our beauty, our strength. He's the source of all of our blessings. Let me give you an example. So um, let's say you have a small child, right? The child is in your arms. He's unable to walk proficiently yet. So the child points to uh, the kitchen. I want to go to the kitchen. The loving parent carrying the child takes the child to the kitchen. The child says, okay, living room, living room. The loving parent carries the child into the living room. Yes? child points to a toy. I want the toy. The loving parent picks up the toy and gives it to the, to the child. So everything that's happening with the child is by power of the parent. Yes? It's not because of the power of the child. The power is, is the parent's power. He is making all the arrangements to facilitate the desires of the child. This is our position vis-a-vis God. As they say, man proposes God, what? You've heard that, huh? Okay. So, this is our position vis-a-vis God. Now, let me give you another example from Srila Prabhupada. Srila Prabhupada, our founder, Acharya. When he was um, traveling to America from India on the Jaladvita, on this cargo ship, on the ocean for three months, is that correct? So, um, he wrote these, a couple of beautiful, fantastic letters in which he revealed his inner meditation. And in this letter, he wrote about how um, Krishna was the puppeteer, and he was just Krishna's puppet. And he said, he said, Dear Lord, make me dance, Lord, make me dance. In other words, move me in a way, use me in a way, so that I can retract the minds and the hearts of these young men and women that I'll be coming in contact with in the Western world. But he's... he's, he's um, He's um, stating this relationship of the living entity to the Lord. The living entity, um, living entity is the puppet. God is the controller. He's the puppeteer. He's controlling. He's giving us the power. He's giving us whatever beauty and knowledge we have. He's in control. Um, yeah. So, this is what you call an Obama pause. My wife said, don't make any Obama pauses. So. <laughs> You know, Obama talks in any pauses for me. Uh, so, yes, this is, uh, this is the source of our power. What I do, I, I use this meditation myself. Um, when I'm at work, I work in a hospital, I'm a physician, and sometimes we're working with critically ill patients in emergencies. And so I use this meditation where I see myself um, walk as a little toddler walking uh, down the road and I, my hands are being held by, I have two spiritual mentors, Bhakti Tirtha Swami and Radha Swami. So one hand is being held by Bhakti Tirtha Swami, one hand is being held by Radha Swami. And I'm walking along. And I'm, so I'm protected. And this meditation is very helpful for me because, because it, it invokes the memory of my spiritual masters. And I know that they love me and they want what's best for me. And, and I, it helps me to appreciate their protection. And in addition to that, whatever, if something good happens, let's say, you know, usually good things do happen. The patient is saved. Things go well. The patient is actually, um, uh, his condition is improved by our interventions. Then the credit doesn't belong to me. The credit belongs to the parent, right? The, parent, the credit belongs to Krishna, or to the, you know, through the spirit, to Krishna definitely, and through the spiritual master. I don't take the credit. 
it's the parent that's who or the parents' prayers, and then Krishna who is actually the door. That's very important. Okay, next slide, please. Oh, so it's very important because with humility and you understand and appreciate that God is the source of all of your blessings, of all of these wonderful arrangements in our life, our family, our friends, whatever knowledge and strength we have, that this is all, God is the source of all this, then that, that, um, that um, inspires gratitude and appreciation. Yes. And so when we, have grat- when we have this humility and this gratitude and appreciation for God, this is a milieu in which our innate Love for God can prosper, it can grow, it can um, uh, reveal itself. So I maintain that cultivating this humility and the consequent gratitude is the milieu from which our innate treasure, this love of God, which is within the heart of every living entity, can ultimately sprout and bloom. Yeah. Yeah. So I I have some quotes that I want to just go over. Um, One is, these are quotes to substantiate or to validate the things that I have just said. One quote is from the Shaitanya Bhagavad. This is from Mahaprabhu. He says, this is really beautiful, to those I especially favor, I grant them the boon of humility. Yes, it's beautiful, right? Next quote. This is from Chaitanya Charitamrita. This is Mahaprabhu once again talking. Krishna always favors the humble and meek. There are a thousand quotes I can put about humility and, and meekness, but I'm just going to choose a few because it's, the, the Vedic literature is replete with them. Next quote is, this is from Srila Prabhupada. This is the purport from Adi Leela. Srila Prabhupada writes, as you can see, the complete path of bhakti yoga is based upon the process of becoming humble and submissive. The complete path of bhakti yoga is based upon this foundation of humility. Next slide, please. So, to further substantiate this claim that humility is the foundation of our spiritual life, we have the Sri Shastaka. The Sri Shastaka Mahaprabhu, Lord Chaitanya, who is on the altar to our left, who is Krishna who appeared on this planet 500 years ago, he left eight verses, which are called the Shishastakam. These verses are the whole process of devotional service, soup to nuts, the entire thing, from the beginning to the ultimate, exquisite, uh, undescribably beautiful goal at the, at the end. So the first three verses of the Shishastaka, the Shishastaka are like a ladder, and each verse ultimately leads to the next verse, which, as I said, ultimately ends in this exquisite exquisite realm of pure love of God. And the foundation of the Shishastaka are these first three verses, particularly this third verse I'm going to focus on, which is Trinata Pisa Nietzsche Natarayiva Zahishuna Amanina Amanina Kirtanya Sadahari. It is a profound statement of humility, of not wanting respect, Offering all respect to others, considering oneself lower than the straw, straw in the street, being more humble than the grass, is a profound, actually transcendental statement of humility. And in this state of mind, 
If one can stay in this consciousness of humility, then one can chant the holy name of the Lord constantly. One can associate with the Lord constantly. One can feel the presence, the love of the Lord constantly and enjoy the bliss thereof. This is from this humility. Now, Krishna Kavirash Goswami, who, who collected and wrote the Chaitanya Shaitamrita, felt that this, this verse was so important and so fundamentally, so fundamental to our process of our spiritual involvement that he wrote this next quote. Everyone please hear me. String this verse on the thread of the holy name and wear it on your neck for continuous remembrance. So he thinks this verse is so important that he's actually promoting this verse about him, this profound humility to the same platform of chaining the holy name. And the holy name is, is the Yuga Dharma. It's the process by which we uncover our innate love of God. Harinama, 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 Eva Kevalam, Kalau, Neste Eva, Neste Eva, Neste Eva, Katiranyatha. It's the process for, that's recommended by Mahaprabhu for uncovering this love. And, and Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami puts them together on the same platform as the most efficient means of spiritual realization. Next, next, uh, yeah. Oh, this is my wife, Kunti. She's over here. Well, she's back there. Okay. <laughs> and um, I just want to tell the story. So this is our, this is our uh, patio. Obviously, this is in January, because you see the pretty flowers behind her. So this is sometime in the spring. She has a nice green thumb. <laughs> she's good with rogues like me and with plants as well. So when we first met, when we first met, um, she, you know, I was pursuing the path of bhakti yoga, and she was had another path altogether. So I took her on a to, to see my, our, my spiritual master, Bhakti Tirtha Swami. And I knew, say, so, so, well, once she sees him, once she's here, once she hears him, oh, her heart will just melt because he's fantastic. So I took her to a lecture, and then we on a ride home. I said, well, okay, honey, what do you think? And she said. I didn't understand a word. He said, what is he talking about? I don't want to go back to any lectures. This is what she said. <laughs> so I said, well, uh, you know, I love her. You know, it's fine. Okay, that's how you feel. No problem. But, you know, what I would do is I would read to her at night. Not every night, but frequently. I would read to her just um, passages from our scripture about the humility of God how intimate and loving he is, about how he washes the feet of Sudama. That was one of her favorite. About him feeding his devotees from his own hand. This is Mahaprabhu. Embracing his devotees. He said to one of his devotees who complained about, you know, I'm a lowly outcast. Why are you embracing me? He said, I'm embracing you for my own purification. This type of humility. I would read to her about uh, Mahaprabhu accepting instructions from his disciples, accepting chastisement from his disciples, and how he was always ready to give credit to his disciples, put them in a position to receive credit, and encourage other disciples to glorify and honor each other, to love each other. And reading these things to her, it just, you know, she just completely, um, you know, her heart just melted, and the rest is history. <laughs> now, she, you know, now she's like a guru to me, <laughs> literally. 
Next slide, please. So this concept of humility is conceptually, it's easy to understand, right? It's not so complicated. And it's logical. However, it's difficult to execute. You may not be able to appreciate this, but this is, there's a guy climbing this rock. He's kind of underneath the rock. He's got one hand on it and one, one or two feet on it, and one hand is hanging down, dangling. So that's, he looks like he's in a difficult situation. Yes, it looks kind of tough. I wouldn't want to do it. But I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you that executing humility is much tougher than this. This is, this is light work. Listen, I'm going to confess. I have this thing where um, I, I did this for years. I would wake up in the morning, run to the shower, and as I'm in the shower, I would always have the same thought would come to me every day. I would think, okay, what did I do yesterday that was, you know, that, that I, you know, that was really good? Oh, I did this so well. I did that so well. I did this. This is the first thought that would come to me in the shower every day. I don't know why. This is, this is just how, you know, I would think. This is true. And so now, of course, when that occurs, I hit myself in the head. And then I think, okay, what happened yesterday that, I, that Krishna provided me with, that my gurus through their prayers provided me with, that I, how was I protected, how was I blessed? Oh, and in this way, thinking about trying to be a little humble and thinking about how Krishna has blessed me, this way I start my day by connecting with gratitude to this limitless reservoir of love and grace. So this is a much more constructive way, healthy way, spiritually and mentally, to start your day with this, with this, with this meditation of, of how we have been blessed and protected and are nourished and loved. Would you agree? Yeah. So, but to do this, I mean, to, to live in that consciousness of always seeing God's um, loving intervention in every situation, to live in that consciousness is not easy. To, actually, it's impossible to do on our own. We, we need help. We need help of our spiritual mentors. We need help of our spiritual community. We need help by taking shelter of our sadhana, which is primarily, of course, chanting and, and serving each other with, in a mood of, of, of humility and honoring the God that, which, which is, that we see within each and every living entity, not just devotees, but within each and every living entity. So this, to, to kind of cultivate that consciousness, is a, it's our battle of Kurukshetra. You know, we all have, we all carry ghosts, Right? We carry the ghost of pride, of illusion, of lust, of anger, of greed, and envy. These ghosts are with us all the time, and we are all vulnerable to their attacks. Is that not true? So to combat these and to cultivate a mood of humility, we need, we need lots of help. Next slide, please. So this is... I always felt sorry for the coyote. You ever watch Roadrunner? 
I know he was trying to eat the guy, but I mean, my God, he got tortured all the time, every day. It was like, give him a break. Anyway, so this is the summary. You know, on one side we have humility. People who are humble, they're happier because they don't take offense readily and they don't commit offenses readily because they're they're in a mood of service, right? So they have this mood of gratitude. They're motivated to serve out of a, out of a, out of a, by, by a sense of indebtedness and wanting to reciprocate with God for all of his blessings. They're motivated to serve in a loving, constructive way. And so they're, they're happier. People who are prideful, Rana Swami says, if you have pride, you necessarily offend others. Even if unintentional, just by carrying pride, even if you don't, aren't aware of it, you will offend others. And you take offense easily when you have a lot of pride, right? So that causes agitation. You know, you have this sense of um, expectation, the sense of, 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 of a sense of entitlement. You have a sense of expecting recognition. And when you don't get it, you're disappointed, you're angry, and you're envious of people who are getting recognition that you think you deserve. So this is not a state of good spiritual or mental health but to achieve humility we need you know we need help we need the shelter of of divine agents next slide please okay these are some things that humility are confused with depression low self-esteem lack of ambition lack of desire to achieve accepting abuse not being a self-advocate so you can see that all of these things have nothing to do with the description of humility that I just provided, right? That we just, we just reviewed, okay? Because the humility that we talked about begins with acknowledging your relationship with God, that we are beloved sparks of his splendor. And, and um, all have the potential to be as beloved sparks of his splendor, we all have this potential to radiate this effulgence of love, love ourselves. So this is the potential of every living entity. It's just a matter of realizing that. So this is quite different from the other items above it. Next slide, please. Some more quotes. This is from Krishnadas Kaivarej Goswami talking about people who have this love of God are naturally humble. This is a natural attribute of people who are spiritually advanced, this humility. Next, next slide. Uh, this is from Bhaktivedanta Thakur, saying that, <clears throat> this is, he's saying, I don't even want to call myself a Vaishnav for fear that by calling myself a Vaishnav, I will look forward to receiving respect and service from others. This is how serious he's contemplating the poison of pride and the importance of humility in executing devotional service. Next slide, please. Okay, and this is kind of sums it up. This is Radhanath Swami's quote. You can, have, you can take the credit for what you're doing you can have credit, but you won't have Krishna. That kind of summarizes it. 
I have Bhakti Tirtha Swami here because it reminds me of a story of Bhakti Tirtha Swami. I remember when I first went to see him and he was like on a stage, he was talking about, you know, some of the services he was involved in. He says, okay, we have opened um, a Food for Life in South Africa. We have started a charter school in, in Ghana. We have uh, done this book distribution in Kenya. We have, and I, I remember I'm in the audience, I'm looking and I'm like, is there somebody behind this chair? Who's the we he's talking about? Is somebody coming from backstage after he's finished? Is that the we he's talking about? I didn't, I didn't quite get it. You know, Why is he saying we? But I, I believe I have a little more understanding now. that Because he's not personally taking credit for anything. When he says we, he's saying we, my spiritual master, we, Krishna, their blessings. This is why he always talked about what we have done, not what I have done. I believe that's what he was doing. Okay, next slide. Okay, so we, we have some, a couple of um, scenarios. These are real scenarios that uh, where Do we have microphones we can pass around? Okay, so that uh, to examine how humility works in the real world, okay? So this, is, this, happened, this, happened, this happened to my son, actually. He's a college student. He has a history of dyslexia. Everyone knows what dyslexia is. Dyslexia, dyslexia is not a learning disability, Dyslexia just means that the brain processes information a little differently. They are just as intellectually adapt as any other person. Some of the smartest people in the history of the world have been dyslexics. It's just a matter of how they process information. It's a little different. So they learned if information is presented in a certain way, they're much more effective at picking it up, that's all. But and so he's a college student with, with dyslexia. He's speaking to his longtime friend. He talks about his plans to go to law school, and she says, are you crazy? Because I know you're dyslexic and, you know, you couldn't succeed. So how, what's, you know, obviously this talk is about humility. So someone give me some ideas of how, what's, what, what's a nice way to respond to that, staying in a humble consciousness. You just raise your hand and we'll give you a microphone. This is just a sharing, so I can, you know, we can all learn from each other. Should you end the friendship? Should you, what should you do? Should you ignore her? Should you say something? What should you say? Any ideas? Hey, Gopi. Wait, wait, wait. wait. You could say, I appreciate your um, advice as a friend but um, God works through people in many different ways, and I believe in justice and that God can work through me, even though I may have some external difficulties. It's almost turning it over to a higher power. Mm. Very nice, very kind. Uh, Mata, please. Hare Krishna Prabhu. So if this is a long-time friendship, I believe the French would know each other to, um, quite, if they're quite close. Um, so uh, if one of the friends is speaking like this, the other friend should appreciate that the friend has confided what they really want to do and encourage them. I mean, if it was just a new friend we can understand or a new contact, they may not have the background or 
So having known some person, for example, like a family member also, if we know the background, we try to look at the big picture. And in context of this uh, class today, which is about humility, uh, so depending on the age group or the experience in life, so that message can be conveyed in a manner that the per person is accepting the feedback or, you know, in a humble manner or in a manner it's not hurting to them yes. when they have confided what they really want to do. Yes. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Hare Krishna. Uh, okay, I think he was next and then you and then we'll, we have another question. We're going to move on. Please, Prabhu. So I just have to work twice as hard as everyone else. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah. You want to give her a mic? I'm up for the challenge. I'll work even harder. <laughs> That's what, yeah, very nice. So, so, uh, if you notice, everyone's answering. Nobody said, okay, um, nobody said, you know, uh, responded by feeling offended. Nobody said that, which is a credit to this amazing audience. You know, because in, in another venue, you know, people would become offended. They would be, you know, they would resent the implication that, well, you know, you're not smart enough to accomplish this goal. But nobody responded like that. So this is, this is a humble crowd already, you know. <laughs> As they say, I'm preaching to the choir. And that's the point, is that humble people don't accept offense. They say, well, um, thank you for, you know, they, thank you for your trying to help me, but I think I can you know, I, I can accomplish this, this goal. They don't accept offense. Very nice. Let's go to the next question. So one, one, one more person in the back. Oh. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> person could say, thank you so much for your concern. But don't worry. I know a lawyer who has <laughs> dyslexia worse than I do. Does everything by tapes and orally. I'll be just fine. Thank you. Is, do you know someone like that? That is true. Yeah, there are lawyers who practice, yeah. who don't read. Yeah. Do everything by verbal yeah. work. Very sweet. Thank you, Prabhu. Okay, next question. Scenario. You are a woman and acting director of a large company. The last director resigned in a disgrace with charges of embezzlement. Over the last two years, you have greatly rehabilitated the image of the company, restored the morale and enthusiasm of the staff, and led the company to record profits. Very nice. The owner calls you to thank you for your good work, but tells you they are considering someone else to be permanent director who you learn happens to be much younger with little or no experience. How do you respond? I think this one is a little tougher, right? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Uh, I would ask why. Uh, it's easy to judge bodily 
the experience or the expertise that someone has. Just because someone's younger or of a different gender doesn't mean they may do a worse job than you, even if you've done amazing. Um, maybe there's some information you don't know. Okay. I'll provide that information, and maybe you can still speak. He, he's the uh, nephew of a board member oh. who graduated college a year ago, Go gra graduated grad school a year ago, something like that. Well, in that case, I probably wouldn't want to work for that company anyway. Um, that's pretty harsh, but um, yeah. Okay. So, oh, uh, <laughs> someone who hasn't spoken yet. <laughs> I wouldn't speak anything, but in my heart I would process it by thinking that God has good plans for me, and because of that I'm not getting a job here. So. Yes, okay. Any other? Okay. Hare Krishna Prabhu, I think this is an experience, I think we're all working in the, in the companies, you know, and uh, similarly, I mean, um, this is Sometimes, you know, they don't hire you because of, they don't give you permanent position because of your age or something. And if younger person comes, becomes your director or boss, you know. So basically, I think you have to work with him that I will support you as much as I can and I will help the company anyway. So I don't know anything is any disadvantage of that one because it's a challenge. I think the owner or this general manager or CEO, they have maybe different vision in their minds and younger generations are different than older generation, you know. Yes. So there could be generation gap and so there is some suggestions for that one, you know, he can or she can, you know. Yes. Uh, okay. Let's take one, let's take one more. Yes. Hare Krishna. Yes. May I? Hare Bol. Oh, May I? Yes. So I have actually been in the same situation where the owner did mention. So my response was, thank you for the opportunity for me to kind of like help you in whatever. And I appreciate your decision. And I look forward to, you know, if our paths would cross again, then I, you know, look forward to serving in the same manner. So he's my contact information, feel free to contact me. And I really appreciate for giving the opportunity to help the company. So again, that's how I want to kind of like put forward that, you know, it was a great opportunity to come and prove myself, yet at the same time accept that you know, it's not a decision just coming from this gentleman. There is a higher authority involved and accept it as it comes. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Okay. Sure. Just listen. Okay. Okay. Did everyone hear what she said? She said... Can you please repeat the question? I said, what happens when you have injustice? Um, because in one sense, this is a social situation of actual injustice. And if the person, you could say, I don't want to use the word victim, but the person on the underside, do you, is humility meaning you just accept injustice? So this is why I wanted to discuss these scenarios, because... Because what happens is, is that actually there's, there's, in my opinion, and you can correct me, <laughs> but there's no right answer in a sense. The right answer is that whatever you do, 
is that you're motivated by, you're not motivated by a sense of, um, you're not motivated by a sense of uh, self-absorption or self-consideration. Whatever you do, however you respond, and there's different ways you can respond, you're motivated by a sense of what's the, what's the most loving way I can serve this environment, this community, these people within this community that I find myself in. That's the point, is that this is your motivation for action. So that can play out different ways in, 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 different, in different conditions. Being humble and wanting what's best for those around you and trying to create a loving environment where everyone benefits and can be spiritually elevated may mean withdrawing from the environment. It may mean accepting what has just happened or it may mean, may mean fighting for a more just environment because ultimately everybody benefits in a situation where they feel that... Um, they are appreciated and respected for their contributions. So Arjuna, humble, warrior, he fought, right? So humility does not mean not to fight. Humility does not mean not to demand justice. Humility means your motivation for justice is, for instance, this lady may feel, okay, now if, I'm, if, I'm, if, I, if I get this position, this will really put me in a good situation where I can, you know, because I had plans of bringing um, some, name your guru or whoever, uh, bringing him here. He was going to do, a, like they do in London, they do these big programs on, a, on a, um, these big corporate programs, right, where they're talking about Krishna consciousness and various wonderful Vaishnavas, ISKCON, come and make presentations. So if I have this position, this will really put me in a great situation where I can put on these programs, where these, uh, I, could, I could have these Food for Life programs here or prasadam distributions here in the company where the company could, uh, could be enrolled in matching funds toward helping build this temple here at Potomac. You know, so if your consideration is one of service and, 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 and helping to create a loving community, then as long as that's your consideration, then there's you know, various ways to, you can go. But the, the point is, is that that's the consciousness that you keep. How's that? Is that any questions about that? We have one more scenario, and it's five minutes to go. So, let me just go this last scenario, and then we can have questions. Okay, this is this is you know very topical. This is the Me Too movement. This is a coworker approaches someone about sexual harassment that she's suffering at the job. She's being approached. She's being, you know, subtly molested and pressured, coerced. And she confides in you. Now, what's the, how, do you, how do you guide her? You're humble. She wants, she's trying to be a spiritual, humble person. How do, you, how do you advise her? This is a real-life situation, right? How do you advise her? Hare Krishna, I would just say stand up to yourself. Speak the truth. Don't try to hide, because it's not going to help anybody in the end. Uh, we have the mic. We can pass it around. Pass it. Hmm? 
would like I've I've had um I've talked to people who've actually been in the same situation and they told me how they handled it and I kind of agree with the way they handle it. Um one friend I had who actually was in this situation she actually experienced with her boss. Uh she first told them to like she made an ultimatum like look like I don't like this behavior. I don't appreciate it, but when he started to uh retaliate from her from her putting her foot down, that's when she ended up uh leaving the company. You know? And that's the same thing I would suggest the girl to do as well, you know, to pr- to protect yourself. You know, you could try to if they don't respect you as a person because obviously he doesn't respect her by this behavior, then and then you he won't listen to you by when you try to defend yourself verbally then you just have to leave the situation you could also report the person but then there's a lot of politics involved with that so the easiest way is to just leave the situation and then let the people around you know what's going on so that other people don't become a victim as well here Hare Krishna. That's a very uh, uh, subject a lot of people go through. Uh, my suggestion would be that you need to fight it out. It's injustice and you have to fight injustice. And being humble also means also being strong. And at that point when somebody is taking advantage of you, you should not just bend over and let them do it. You got to stand up and fight it. And that my advice to that person would be that uh, don't be discouraged. There will be a lot of uh, uh, resistance, but you need to stand up and fight. Okay. So we'll take one more, and then uh, it's almost 2 o'clock, so I have to go. Oh, hurry, Bull. Oh, hurry um, I was going to say, um, it is a very unfortunate situation, and I would advise my friend um, to definitely report it, just because if... Like, it is, like, I think leaving is the easier option. Um, And it would be good to leave after it's been reported. Um, But once it's been reported, um, it's better that, like, this behavior doesn't continue or this injustice doesn't, like, occur with anyone else. And so I think making the move to, like, stop it and ensuring that it doesn't occur with another person after she leaves or no matter what is probably the best way to take it on. Mm, okay. So, there's two things I just want to mention, and then we'll have to wind up. You can go to the next slide, Prabhu. But the two things were, one is I wanted to reiterate that we want to live in this consciousness of humility and loving service. We want to try to stay in that space at all times. And the second is, so staying in that space Humility doesn't mean accepting accepting abuse. Actually, abuse is is extraordinarily detrimental to the spiritual life of the abuser. You understand what I'm saying? Someone is abusing you. He's he's signing his ticket to hell, right? So out of to protect him from himself and protect others in your environment from uh, to protect the innocent in your environment from that situation, then it's certainly within the realm of being humble to fight. Once again, humility is about a state of consciousness. So you are fighting on behalf of trying to protect others and trying to help 
the abuser himself to stop him from his abominable acts. So it's all a matter of consciousness. Being humble does not mean not fight, does not mean not be protective of the innocent. It's just a matter of your motivation for action, that you're motivated because of concern for the others, because of service to the other, because of modeling the type of loving concern that we see in our guru and other Vaishnavas around us. That's the point. Okay? And this is our summary slide. Humility, the foundation of spiritual life. When, you, when we're humble, we attract God's protection. Uh, maybe it's counterintuitive, but the humble people attract empowerment. When you're humble, Krishna empowers you. <laughs> right? Because then he's anxious to give you the credit, to put you in a position where others think you deserve credit. So humility attracts empowerment. And... Um, once again, from humility and gratitude, love blooms. Thank you very much.